seriously. Every morning I do this. I wake up, I turn over and she's sleepy. I'm going, I have no idea who she is. I'm going to discover today something new about her. What is this? What, what's going on? And so that constantly lets her change and it, and it frees her. And for me, it takes my intent to allowing her to be the autonomous person that she is free to be who she is. And it brings that into real life. Do you ever envy those so-called hashtag couples goals? Well, you know, when you first fall in love with someone, you get butterflies every time you see them. You lust them. You're infatuated with them. You want to be with them all the time, like best friends. Do you want that to last forever? Together, let's discover what it takes to say a massive yes to all the above. Through our topical discussions, our world-renowned guests that will help guide the way to a happier, sexier, and fun-loving relationship. We're not doctors or therapists. We are just two normal individuals who have had many ups and downs in our 23-year relationship. And counting. We've amassed our own wisdom over the years, but we're still learning, just like you. Nina and I believe you can have it all and still live your best lives, as long as you're willingly and consistently discover each other in new ways. And that right there is what the show is all about. We're Nina. And Roger. And this, this is The, the Real show. show. Yeah, baby. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Roger, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Nina. Hello. And this is another episode of the Head Over Heels show. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys had a great week. We uh, we definitely did. It was very busy, very stressful, very... Productive. Productive. Did I say stressful? Yeah, yeah. a little bit stressful. But it wasn't argumental at all this week, which is awesome. Which is surprising because you were on your period again this week. And <laughs> that's why it was extra stressful for me. But uh, yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't do too bad. You were stressful because I was on my period, dude. I didn't get nothing. You got whole loads of shit. <laughs> All right, I don't know about a whole loads, but well, maybe you got a, a lot more than I did. Maybe a couple loads here and there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had an interesting experience. We went out on the weekend uh, separately. Nina went out with a friend, and I went out with some friends for a grand opening of a patio. And it was funny because uh, we weren't far from each other. We were only just a few blocks. But you kept on messaging me to come by, come by. I'm like, just have your girls' night out. Just have your girls' night out. You did. I remember that, actually. I got to go back to the messages and take a look because I was drunk. I was freaking drunk. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she had a uh, a uh, really, really nice dress on. Maybe we'll put it on uh, Head Over Heels show. Uh, it was like a newspaper dress. And people were enjoying the dress. And I was telling... I mean, you made friends with a couple of bouncers there, you and your friend. And uh, when I was when I got there, I was talking to him. And he's like, uh, everybody wants to read her dress. And I said, it's Nina's owner's manual. It comes in a form of a dress. So you got to sit there and read the instructions. That's exactly, what, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I said to someone that was asking me. It was true. I was, I felt like I was being attacked by all these gorgeous men that wanted to read my dress. So here I am. That's why I was texting. I'm like, baby, I know I can handle this normally, but I had gin, vodka, tequila, Prosecco, for crying out loud, and lemon drops. If men are going to buy you drinks, tell them to try to keep the, the same drinks so you don't mix They're so all much. different men. 
all different men buying us drinks. So isn't isn't that a thing? Like, I can't go out and just get drinks bought by for me all night. Just can't. And this place you went to was wasn't a cheap place. It's like twenty five dollars a drink. Legit. You know, so it's you know it's expensive for a guy to try and hit on some girl. I mean, I'd be pissed that you didn't give me anything. But the only <laughs> <laughs> like. What the fuck? I just but, bought you two drinks. That's 50 bucks. You should have came in at the end. But the thing is, the funny part was about this night. It was a really good night. I had a great time with my girlfriend. But the guys that were buying us drinks that were hitting on us, not even one of them asked me if I was married. It's like, they don't give a fuck. You got a big ass fucking ring on your finger. I get it. Yeah. But that's exactly my point. I mean, like, it's, it's a huge ring I'm wearing my, my wedding uh, finger, but... The fact that none of these guys asked me if I was married or had some, I was, if I was single, that baffled me because they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> they just wanna, you know. I, you know what? To be honest, a few of them were really gen, true gentlemen. They were carrying a great conversation, and it was awesome. But the reason why I was texting you because it was at the end of the night, mm-hmm. and I had few shots already, and I'm like, I just didn't want to be. Making fun of myself, full of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know who I am. Yeah, you make you're, you're safer when I'm around. Right, I get it. So I mean, I always like to be in control of myself and my and my situation. But the minute I feel like I have few drinks too many in, yeah. I need you're you by my side. I need you by my side because yeah. you protect me. You make sure I don't talk too much. You make sure I <laughs> I don't swirl back and forth. And you make sure you're behind me when I'm going up the stairs because <laughs> for crying out loud, that dress was so fucking short. It was my ass. There's a lot of us, that's for sure. There you go. So it was a fun weekend. And it was one of those things, like we're not far apart. You went out, I went out. So I wasn't thinking of, oh, you're at home alone. You know, it it was good fun. It was good fun. I had a great time. Yeah, I had a good time too. I had a good time with my friends. They're all artists. And uh, we had uh, Carl Wolf there, the singer, and he was singing. And, you know, just for the grand opening of this patio. It was great. Great night. Had fun. Met a lot of new people, which is great. I love doing that. I love meeting new people. And, and this uh, is what I was trying to tell you. This yeah. week has been an amazing, incredibly amazing week because we were we worked our ass off. We were productive. We did everything we needed to do and more. And we had a great time with our children, mm-hmm. with our friends. So, I mean, what else really can you ask for in life? You know, you work hard, you play harder. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you guys got to see Nina right now, though. She's uh, she, We just got back from the gym, so she's wearing very, very tight tights. And a very, very tight small top and some glasses, some reading glasses. So she looks like a, uh, a very sexy librarian. <laughs> take a, I'll take a picture right now. Just pose, click, click. There you go. I'm going to post those on our Head Over Heels Instagram so you guys can see uh, what I'm talking about. And I'll, I'll even post the other, the other dress there, the, uh, the manual dress, the owner's manual dress. Crazy. Good, good. Who do we have on the show today, baby? Well, today we have a really, really super cool episode for you guys because we have a great couple on today. We don't have, we don't often have couples on the show, but this was a really unique couple. They've been together for 27 years. They beat us. Yes. God damn it. But you know what? It doesn't count because they started dating when they were teenagers. Young teenagers. I think Meg was 13. So, (laughs) I mean, they started dating really, really young. Um, you know what? I'll let you guys, I'll let them tell you the story of how they started all of this. But she is, they are an incredible couple. Meg is a life coach, hypnotherapist, and host of the Art of Being Human podcast. 
she's passionate about walking with women that want more out of life than just the status quo. She wants to live life that recognizes that whatever we do, love is the point. I love that because yeah. she's, she's like me. She's my kind of girl. <laughs> and her husband, James Hepner, is the founder and creator of Weekly Wins and Losses. He helps people in their journey to embrace all of life, both wins and losses equally. He thinks of himself as an artist of experience. His passion is to create transformational experiences for himself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are really, really gorgeous couple, very calm, a lot different than us. <laughs> no, actually, I find, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say they're a lot like us, except he's a million miles a minute, like you are. And she's a little bit more laid back and just kind of chill like I am. Well, so I guess so, I got her energy because yeah. she's just so calm, yeah. you know? And you're right. James is a little like me. <laughs> well, we were, we were, we were interviewing him and he kept on getting up off his chair, running around, getting stuff and coming back. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> so we did a swap podcast with this couple. Um, they interviewed us and we interviewed them. So I want you guys to listen to their story and how they, you know, get it all done. They have two amazing children, two teenagers, just like us. Mm -hmm. They do it all together. And they live life to its fullest. Yeah. And you know what? Enough about, I'm not going to say any more about them. I'll let them tell you who they are and what they do. Absolutely. And they're coming up next, but they're, you might want to follow them because we have been interviewed by both of them on their, each of their podcasts. So right. That's right. You, can, you can have a listen to our interview when, uh, when it comes up. So without further ado. All right, James and Meg. Okay, you guys are at, I mean, I saw your email and I was like, you know what? I got to have these people on the show. I really, really love the energy that I got from that, you know, conversation that we had via email. So why don't you guys tell our audience and ourselves too, who you are, what you do and how you got to become, you know, what you do, who you are today. Sure. Do you want to go first? No, you go first. I go ladies first. first. Yeah. Okay, ladies first. Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting thing because I guess, I'll talk about us. Um, first, I, I was 13 years old and I saw James and I had this moment where the heavens opened and the angels sang. And the first thought that came into my head was, this is the man I'm going to marry. And I just knew he was going to be my husband, but I was 13, right? So I went home and I wrote in my diary, today I met the man I'm going to marry, but I'm just going to date a few other guys first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. I was 13. And James, how old are you? Yeah, you don't want to ask. I was I was 16 and three quarter. <laughs> I think I thought he was this older guy that I needed some experience for. So I'm like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna cruise through a few guys so that I'm ready for this real I man. Exactly. No, it is a big deal for a 13 year old to no, be an older guy, 100%. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing he looked at me and went, Oh, like, there's no way. Like, right. And so I had to patiently wait until I was 16 before he finally looked my way. And I, so I was 16. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> I was, I kept it clean, but I, I thought you're cute. Right. When the day I saw you, I'm like, okay, She's a cutie. But I'm like, oh, She's too young. And I'm like, I, I never, and of course, I didn't, I you know, never really thought it through too deeply. But then one day I, I, uh, you know, I drove through the town where she lived 
And I was observing that there were some boys who were just like chasing her around, having fun. And all of a sudden I became very like, oh no, this is not okay. <laughs> and so that's when we started dating. So I was, yeah, you know, you were 16 and I was uh, 19 basically. Yeah. And so we dated for four years and we you got married. She waited till she got some boobs and stuff. <laughs> just let me go through puberty and then it was like okay perfect now she's ready <laughs> is that what was going on really? oh roger had to poke and yeah you know what you just yeah you nailed it no I, anyways so then we met and uh it was really my filter's broken <laughs> perfect that's that's how it should be don't fix it <laughs> well here here in our home we have uh we have two sons uh, harrison is 15 he has high functioning autism and uh, Rowan is 17. And so when you speak filter, we learned very quickly that filters are an option in our house. And so we mostly don't use filters. We just drop it in. So, Roger, you fit right in. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you say the other one's name is Rowan? Rowan. R-O-H-N. Correct. Very close to what the, na- the names we had for our kids. Really? Oh, nice. It was Rowan, which, which is Roger and Nina put together. Oh, that's adorable. I love that. That's beautiful. We went with Tristan at the end. Yeah. Tristan won. Uh, that's a sharp turn. Know, Brad Pitt won. Legends of the <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then we dated, we got married. Um, and and we we kind of bought into that belief that your partner was going to fix you mm. or your partner was going to complete you right mm. you know this this idea that the culture gives you of like mm. once you found you the, the tom cruise line like you complete me right <laughs> which is what you buy into and then you're married for a little while and you go no you don't completely me in fact you annoy the heck out of me like what happened <laughs> like how, what's happening because real life sets in and you have to learn that your partner is your mirror and sometimes what you get mirrored is where you need to grow and and where you need to do some maturing and that your partner is actually your ultimate teacher. So it's not always all blissed out and lovely and wonderful. It's much better than that. It can be difficult and tension-filled and a struggle, but that's the gift, right? We're not here to stroke each other's egos. We're here to say you're on a spiritual journey and I'm going to be your mate or your your partner in this spiritual journey and sometimes that's going to look uncomfortable but I'm here for you and so we learned very quickly that we were each other's teachers and um and kind of went through I guess a metamorphosis into being this kind of regular couple that believed in the culture and 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 the forever kind of thing or or not forever but the um you know the you complete me thing to really going like you are my guide in life for me to develop into the best human being that I can be. And that is the ultimate gift. Well, and I think, you know, if I just speak into that, if you don't mind. Yeah. 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 So for me, when, yeah, when I first, uh, when I first met this little one, I'm like, okay, so I, so behind me, there's a lion and behind her is a lamb. Yeah. And she was, she was very soft and I was very firm. Like I was raising a home, uh, a lot of rules, a lot of demands. And she was raising a home full of laughers. I mean, I'm not sure why your family laughed that much. I mean, your dad was an alcoholic, but I think you guys had need to laugh because it, it just, you needed to get through it somehow. To me, a long story short, it was kind of like, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate with this. When I married her, I'm like, oh, you see, there's certain things that I don't know how to do. And I struggle with like how to laugh and how to just have a good time. And, and the way she would debate things without having to come to like an absolute outcome. I'm like, I love that. It's so playful. 
just like right there. And it's like zappy. Like I loved it. Just a firecracker. Right. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's great. I got me one of those. And it made me feel comfortable in, in the extreme that I love to experience, but there's certain things that I felt like I didn't have the ability to like, she can make nice things. She's a peacemaker, you know, and I'm a fire starter basically. (laughs) Okay. So, so it's like, Oh, perfect. So I can, I can expect her to do this for me and I can go and live my life. And what was interesting, I don't know if you can relate with this, but uh, you know how when you first meet someone, you're like, this will be great. And then all of a sudden, the things that were great, that in the reason you got together becomes the very thing that you go like, uh, I don't like this anymore. So it's the thing that you love. You begin to go, I'm not sure if I like this. I, I know for me, I don't know what it's for you, but I began to resent, secretly resent. Um, why is she just expecting this of me? Like, aren't we getting together? Not so that she can become me, but that there's there's a reason that I'm with her and that um, she's also pulling from me certain things that um, she can bring herself. And so it isn't that she leans on me. And so this is like the concept of, I think when we got married, it was 50-50. I give my 50% and you give your 50, now we're 100%, right? And I we began to realize that it was 100%, 100%. It's not 50-50. It's if it's 50-50, you're constantly measuring, you're weighing out who's giving more, who's giving less. Yeah, yeah. And I say, hey, wait a minute, honey. I give you some of the fire. And you're not giving me enough peace here now. Why don't you bring me more of this? She's going, actually, why are you expecting me to do this for you? Aren't you also bringing some of this for yourself? Now, don't get me wrong. It's, it's nice. Like, she has certain things that I naturally don't have. Okay. But in the second half of life, so the second half of our, our relationship, I'll just say, so, so we went through a bit of a season where we're kind of going and, you know, kids come along, they're really young and you're going through a bunch of stuff, a bunch of movements, business and different things. Uh, but now, for example, like we we're saying prior to the show, our kids travel down to Phoenix and it's just her and I together. And I sent her a text last night and I said something to the extent of, hey, honey, it looks like you and I did what we were hoping we could do. And that is allow our crazy to drive us crazy mad together. Like we're just crazy together. Yeah. And so our crazy, our, our tension, actually we allowed our own individuality to come together. And now instead of me expecting her to be the soft one in my life, so I could just be firm and be an asshole, I guess, and close deals and just figure things, you know what I mean? Now I'm like, actually she's pierced me. So now I've become firm and soft and I've pierced her and she's become also firm of the line and soft. So we're actually, in my opinion, if she's with me, I'm invincible. Okay. But if she's not with me, I've taken the gift of her. So if she died early, I would still feel like I take Meg with me because, you know, I'm not saying Meg, you're going to go. And, you know, I'm not planning your exit, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> Listen, if I die, come <laughs> check it out. Okay. Come check out what happened. <laughs> so for the investigators, are you <laughs> curious? Don't... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you say, you, it's funny you say like, uh, describe how you described each other her family is the laughing and yours was more the strict us it's the same thing except it's the other way around everything my, you just said is the other way around my dad was like a happy drunk always having fun always laughing her family she's one of nine kids very strict upbringing all that kind of stuff so christian very, christian is strict yeah, yeah. Mm. But that's a different kind of strict. There's strict, and then there's Christian strict. <laughs> and that was me. My dad was a pastor of a mega church, so it was. Oh like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> lay down the fucking law, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's now, you mentioned something earlier during when you were just saying this. You were saying that you had seasons with you and Megan that you weren't sure if that was what you wanted, you know, because you guys were so different. Was that the beginning? What stage of your relationship was that? Because I know a lot of couples who go through that in different stages of their relationship. Ours was right after the kids, 
were going crazy, losing our shit. When was that season for you guys that you weren't sure if this was the life you wanted to live with each other? You know, I don't know if it was that I didn't know if I wanted him. I always knew that I wanted him. I simply, it was simply getting painful. So I didn't want the version of the relationship that we had, right? And so, because of James's upbringing, you know, very unintentionally, there was a, a, a an emphasis on success and in presenting really well, right? Which is why I was attracted to him because I grew up in a family, like we were just talking about very low standards, right? Like as far as, you know, how you presented to the world. My, my parents were much more um, interested and invested in, you know, figuring out my dad's alcoholism or having other people come to our house who were drying out and like helping them. And so the way you presented was not as important. So he came to get like put all put together. And I thought, whoa, that's well, all on the external put together. Right. Maybe, on the external. But that's together. not very put together. <laughs> what, what ended that crumbles up, pretty quickly. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. No, <laughs> but what ended up happening is he made success for himself in business. And then there was sort of this kind of hiccup. And so it kind of triggered him into his trauma of I don't have it together. I'm not looking successful. You know, something mm-hmm. is is giving me evidence that I'm not enough. And he dipped down into a depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was out for three years. So for three years, I raised the kids by myself. I, I did everything on my own. Well, he kind mm-hmm. of just retreated from the world to just figure his shit out. But our kids were young. Our youngest had just been diagnosed with autism. So I was like up to my eyeballs in responsibility and in all this stuff that I'd never done before either. Right. And so it wasn't that I didn't want him. I just was like, this version of our relationship is not working. So we either need to figure mm-hmm. our shit out or I got to go somewhere where I can get some support. And he needed to go somewhere where he could get the support that he needed because the two of us, you start to get a little resentful, right? Because I'm like going, my kid has autism and I'm getting no support from you. And he's going, my life is imploding and you're worried about stuff that, you know, is going to be fine in his mind, right? The truth is it wasn't wasn't fine in my mind. I was trying to get my mind clear. Mm. And in my mind, and thanks for saying that, I love that. In my mind, I, um, you know how it typically is, you know, you run into uh, an assortment of challenges and you typically can think your way through it and you can muscle your way through it. And then sometimes in life, something comes along and it's just sizable enough where it hits you beyond your regular structure and contraptions that you'd reach for to pull yourself through. I've been depressed for most of my childhood, but I could always find a way through. And there was just a stage in my life when it was like, actually, you know, the interesting thing is no matter how I was trying to eliminate the tensions, it went from like one month in, so Meg says three three years, it checked out. You're right, three years. I feel horrible. Like It's just like learn helplessness. Uh, first month, trying to think your way through. Month two comes, month three. I didn't go to family gatherings. I didn't uh, dosing myself with melatonin and uh, gravel just so I could sleep. I slept. I successfully figured out how I could sleep 18 and a half hours a day. Oh my goodness. Oh my. Talent. And you know what? And then you wake up, you feel so useless because I was raised in a home where the man is the provider. I'm like, shit, I got to figure this out. What is this? What is this? What is this? You know? And then um, again, year two, year three, no family gatherings. I just completely by myself in the bedroom. And it was just horrible. Like I've never... And then one day it's like you hit, and I guess I was, you know how it is. We often in life, we resist, 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 because it's always worked for us. 
to, to think our way through or to say, listen, here's a formula. And the formula for me was, you know, oftentimes in life, and it makes sense, I guess, uh, we are, we tend to reach for the reductionist thinking patterns. And so we're like, we're trying to get rid of things, trying to say that's good and that's bad. And then one day it was like this whole system that I'm standing on isn't working anymore, meaning to eliminate isn't working. And I never forget, Maggie came to the bedroom one day and then she looked at me and she said, what happened to our relationship? And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was it for me. I'm like, she's never talked like that. And it's like, she wasn't threatening to leave, but she was saying, I spot what's going on. And even though I knew like she was supporting her family, whatever, almost lost our businesses and different things in her house. And it was just, it was horrible. And I'll never forget going, shit, I got I got to do something. Well, I don't know what I got to do, but I remember I switched my whole way of looking at life. And I remember thinking, instead of me trying to get rid of the tension, I'm going to have to find a way of including it and utilizing it. And so when I say we're crazy for each other, it's like, she is a crazy, crazy, my little crazy one. And she's just all crazy. And so, and then, and I'm and calm, instead, cool, and relaxed. I have no idea what he's talking about. And instead of me, <laughs> you know, and instead of me uh, taking what I do with crazy typically, and that's to bring order to and structure and fix, manage, and solve it. How about if I didn't fix, manage, and solve my crazy? How about if I actually acknowledge that the crazy that I am drives me to the success that I actually want and the fulfillment that I've never had? So I flipped that enough of my story, but that was, so we became, so, so the question was, yeah, do you want to go first? Like, well, so no, we was... became this, because I think, you know, honestly, I think the personal industry or the personal development industry kind of found us because we had absolute need for it. Yeah. We'd absolutely need it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And so um, one day I'll never, yeah, you want to share the story. So when we, you know, we had business and then you said, why don't you just become a dude? You want to share that story? You share that so well. Well, I don't know if you guys have any questions about what you just said, though, because you just like, I love the fact that you said that you brought in the tension into it because you were trying to run away from it. And a lot of couples, I find that's what they do when the when the times get tough. So one of them tries to check out and that checkout becomes a day, a, a week, a month. And before you know it, oh, we're getting separated, we're getting divorced. Instead of doing what James did, say, fuck this, I'm going to bring the tension into this. Is there anyway? I'm going to have to live with it and trying to figure a way to fix my marriage, my life, my children. You know what I mean? Like, that is what I want people to listen to, to, to hear that every marriage, every relationship has its struggles and its seasons. You can't just give up when those times become hard. Like you said earlier, this, the, the gift of being difficult with each other and having difficult life, it is a gift because no one, God knows, we all know, no one has a perfect life from when they were born to the day they died. There's always been up and down, up and down, but there's always been more down than ups, I find my life anyway. And if I didn't worry about that and take care of it, it would have always been down, down, down. You know what I mean? So I love that fact that you guys recognize that you are going through difficult times and you work through it. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And to that point, like, we're so inundated with this message that we're constantly supposed to be blissed out, right? Like, we're constantly supposed to be happy. We're constantly supposed to be, you know, Instagram perfect or whatever. And that as if that's somehow the ideal. And it's not the ideal because, in my, the way that I see it, and this is not connected to a religion, but we're on a spiritual journey here to experience all of life right? Mm. The beautiful things and the really, really hard things. And if we start to say, I refuse to experience the hard things, we will not have the capacity to experience the joys that life has to offer us. And so it's literally just 
always reminding myself, like, this is the human experience, the up, the down, the good, the bad, the frustration. It's the human right. experience. And when the trouble comes or when the tension comes, that's, I can enjoy that mm-hmm. because that's part of the human experience. Not that it's fun, right? Because there's a big difference between enjoying something and having fun, but mm-hmm. I can enjoy the fact that the universe is kind enough to give me the opportunity to learn this lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Do I want to become a loving, kind, good, honorable person? Then I'm going to have to be in experiences that test mm-hmm. that. And so when that test comes, like, Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to prove my merit. Thank you for this opportunity to see what the human spirit is capable of, not fuck this, I'm out, right? Which is what we're taught when we believe the stories the world gives us of always blissed out, always happy, et cetera, et cetera. So I love, I love what you're talking and, about. And not love when it's convenient to love. Like some people, I'll never forget. To me, it was like, well, you know how it often is. If you live 50%, 50%, if she gets 50, I get 50. So this is like a meritocracy. This is like a scale. So you, you know, you watch, Hey, listen, does the person love me? Well, if they love me, then I'll love them back. And you know, that isn't love because love, the real, we know what real love is and we all do. And that is you love, even though the other person doesn't love you, that's, that's real love. When, when you're under test, basically, do I show up? So for me, the one thing that, that comes to heart is um, I think I had a, a really shitty belief stuck in my brain and that life owed me something that got me into a bunch of whoop ass. Yeah. So a lot of people are like that. People feel that, you know, I, I, I deserve this, so I should get it as opposed to, you know, doing but something. I, wrong. But everyone feels that at one point in their, in their one way or another in their life. And then when they re- realize it's not, it doesn't make sense. then they step, step out of it. Well, some, some people I know they, they don't, but they do. Um, you should step out of it anyway, but yeah, life doesn't owe us nothing. <laughs> yeah. I have another little thing that I say to Meg every now and again, but this is something like, and so just a quick little point, but I'll kind of remind myself constantly when there's certain things, you know how we all go through life, whether in business, you guys are in business and real estate and relationship, we all hit threshold. And so there's, there's always invitation for a new sparky new day. And that often comes when you go like, I can't handle this. I don't think this, this is too much. We think, but then we're like, Oh, shoulders getting wider. Ooh, invitation. What am I going to do with this? And I made the fateful mistake. What checked me into that uh, sleeping 18 and a half hours, what checked me into that space is I had this belief that things trap me in life. And now I say nothing traps me, everything frees me. Nothing. And I, and I don't change the facts. I'm, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a positive thinking dude, but nothing traps everything frees me. Right. And so I think when you show up and she challenges me, I think to myself, well, wait a minute, this is actually sent to free me deeper. How so? And I, I started giving meaning to things, but I'm now more at a place where instead of me giving meaning, I just go like, just let it be, just let it belong. And so you don't have to like unpack the meaning because, you know, often meanings are full of bias. Right. And so it's kind of like, it was said to free me. So just embrace it and just be with it. And all of a sudden we go into this flow and you know, the, the feminine spirit, she's all by flow. And so when you just enter that rhythm, it's like, Whoa, it gets pretty, it gets pretty juicy. <laughs> it gets pretty fun. I love it. I love it. So how long have you guys been together right now? How long has it been? Well, we've been together for 27 years. We've been married for 22. Mm-hmm. My goodness. But you met at 16. Well, we, we oh, got together yeah. at 16. I, I knew at 13, but we got together when we were 16. Yeah. So basically, like, I've spent more of my life with him mm-hmm. than without him. It's funny. He's just that uh, his mom lost. Two weeks ago, we were in Ottawa visiting his family for Mother's Day. 
And he did say that. He's like, mom, you know, I've been with Nina longer than I've been with you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure your mom loved hearing that. I'm sure she was <laughs> yeah. awesome. She, she just needed this person ever. But I call her true. every single day. So it's okay. She's so <laughs> but it was so cute that he said that. I was like, it's true. We've been together for 25 years. I'm like, no, that's the legit half of my life. And then, and, well, like, no, and, and you guys mentioned it uh, quite a few times, but all the struggles you go through every single few years that you're in a relationship, you know, like things get complacent. And if you continue to allow it to get complacent, then, then like you said, you start having a little bit of resentment because you're in a place and you think I'm in place because I'm with her or because of my situation with kids and all that stuff. And we found that, and, and it, w- it wasn't on purpose. We just kind of did it. We found that trying new things, something completely outside the box will help us, you know, create that excitement again and create that, that newness. So the whole real estate thing was all Nina saying we should get it. We should do when we bought our first house. So we should do it. So I tried it, did it. And she came in with me and that was a new thing. And then kids, of course, and fitness journey that we went on and all this stuff. Like we just new things kind of made it exciting. So it, it just changed us up and we're due for something now. Like, I mean, podcast was another thing we jumped into. Uh, so I don't know if it's the same thing with you guys. Did you have a lot of turning points like that? Do you find it? You know, it's spark back? yeah, it's interesting that you see that because that's very Esther Perel, right? Like this idea of the reason you get tired of your relationship is because you're tired of who you are in the relationship and you can't be anyone else because you're, you feel like I'm stuck being this person. So yeah. when you can metamorphosize yourself, like first you're this person, then you can be a real estate person. Then you can be a podcaster. Then you can be a health buff. Like if you are allowed the space to change in a relationship, then the relationship doesn't get old because you look at your partner going, well, who are you going to be now? James always says that, like, who are you going to be today? And so it's interesting, 100%. We did that very accidentally. We did not be like, oh yeah, okay. I guess we need to, you know, metamorphosize our personality. Oh, I had a plan. Oh, you did. Totally, but the, we did the same thing. It was all by accidents, but a yeah. two, three times we're like, shit, this stuff is really working. Let's continue explore. Yeah, 100%. And and I think that our biggest, well, one, like moving, we love to go into new places and to like when we moved to British Columbia, that was a huge one for us because we were so, we were so stuck. Like we grew up in a, in a conservative Christian environment and we did what most people do in a conservative Christian environment. We went from really conservative and then we, we pendulum swung to the prosperity gospel and we went, oh, this is different, right? Prosperity gospel. Woohoo. And then realized, oh no, same thing, different clothes. Like it's the same belief system, just wearing a different outfit. So it looks more appealing. And so for one, really dissecting our faith was a huge metamorphosis for us and a very scary one because it's like, we sort of felt like heaven or hell is at stake here, you know, like it was that serious. And now we kind of laugh about that because we've kind of grown what we believe and and all that kind of stuff. So doing our faith was a huge one. And then what we decided success was, was another big one because we were very like, I'm going to use, I'm going to use this. It doesn't exactly describe it, but like we are very brick and mortar success, right? Like you want to have a business, you want to own a nice house. You want to have gorgeous cars. You want to have a cabin by the lake, right? Everything very support my need for exterior. Yeah. Like, right. And all of a sudden we just went, 
What happens if we just decide to write our own version of success? What happens if we leave all that behind and go on an adventure? And that's how we actually became life coaches because we went through that kind of journey on what does it mean to dissect and pull apart every story that you think is real? All, and, yeah, all these journals became empty. Keep going. Yeah, I love it. and rewrite it in a way that you've actually thought about your values. You've thought about the impact you want to make on the world. And then you rewrite your story. So there was a huge amount of time where we were like, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of that idea? And like pulling it and yanking Mm -hmm. it apart until it became our own. And we often ended up on different spectrums of the idea. Um, And yet that was exciting because again, if you see it as a gift, your idea is this, my idea is this. Now we get to wrestle this out. Like that's just fun. So we've done what you're talking about, but very accidentally, I think, until we decided that we wanted to kind of give our life to being life coaches. Then all of a sudden we went, okay, now we're doing it on purpose. We kind of understood what we were doing. Well, and for me, one of the main reasons that I wanted to be with Meg wasn't just because I thought she was cute and I loved her, but there's another thing. And whether this is a great reason or not, some people say it's it's not the greatest, but I didn't know any better. But I was honestly I was trying to rescue her from the hell of her life, like her parents and the situation. And it wasn't, it wasn't fun observing it, right? And I'm like, this isn't fair, right? This isn't this isn't good. And I got it. This this little one here, like you, you were like still living at home and all the brothers had moved on. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you have to put up with all this. And she was trying to help them and bring peace to their relationship. The more she'd help, the worse it got. You know, it's just and she goes, I'm not, I'm not helping. I'm not good at this. And I'm like, oh, it's not true, baby. It's not true. Right. And so for me, it was uh, but then fast forward, I never forget. So to your point on just exploring and seeing uh, what life can be. Like I never I'll never forget when I became aware that there was a moment that I said, Oh, I know who Meg is. I, you know, I know who she is. And I remember realizing that, yeah, I know who she is, but if you're not careful, James, your knowing is not releasing her to the autonomy. Like I bought her a little cage years ago and there's a little bird that's that the doors open and there's a bird inside. Cause my idea always was to open that door for her so she could fly up. That's amazing. I thought you were going to put her in the cage. <laughs> oh, so she did fly out. Makes it not in the cage, but I wanted her to go out. I wanted her to experience her. And I'll never forget uh, the moment when I'm like, James, you got to change your thinking. You got to change from trying to protect your family and her towards how you were taught, which is what to think. My parents did virtually everything to teach us what to think, not how to think, what to think. And so I went from, I know who she is to every morning going, who is this one? I look at her and go, who is she today? I'm like, whoa, whoa. this, who is she? I'm like, this is so interesting. And that gives me the freedom to experience me in a new way. So we wake up every morning. Like I'll never, I'll never forget when I made that switch. Like now in the morning, I I, seriously, every morning I do this, I wake up, I turn over and she's sleeping. I'm going, I have no idea who she is. I'm going to discover today something new about her. What is this? What, what's going on? And so that constantly lets her change and it, and it frees her. And for me, it takes my intent to allowing her to be the autonomous person that she is, free to be who she is, and it brings that into real life. And so I'll be honest, I feel, and I'll use helpful, like the, like the word helpful pride. I actually feel helpful pride within me that if I action that, I feel good about myself. I'm like, dude, I, you know, I, I did what I set out to do. Isn't that always beautiful though? When, when you promise yourself to do something and you do it and it yeah. feels incredible, it feels amazing. Same thing with relationship and marriage and all that stuff. So. I used to feel like that when I did homework in high school. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically a homework god. Like, look at me. 
love it. So you have two children. Tell us about that. And tell us about your, your life coaching. How is that, how that works? And who can come and see you guys? Yeah, we have the most incredible kids, I think. And I say that completely unbiasedly, of course. But our kids are absolutely amazing um, in how... Incredible and amazing. Tell, tell listeners what that means for you. No, but like, I'm, 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 I'm so absolutely enthralled with them and who they are and what it's like to learn how to self-express, like for them to learn how to self-express has been so amazing. And then with our youngest having autism, it's so cool to see them or to see him connect dots. I would never have connected ever in my whole entire life have connected. Um, and so, yeah, for, for us, our children have been like such a huge blessing, not always easy again, but such a huge blessing. And it's kind of cool because even the, the lessons we've learned in our relationship, we use with allowing them to be themselves, allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them to have a completely different belief system than maybe we would have, but to explore that with them has been really, really cool. And I think for, yeah, no, I love that example. Um, just to tap into what you're saying. I remember when I was a, a child thinking that my parents had it all figured out. And of course we were late, we were raised in a conservative Christian home. And so there was God and who's your version of God. Well, it's your dad or your mom or one of these, right? And so they must have it all figured out. And I'll never forget, right? So we become a parent and their kids are old enough to start talking and stuff. And then you start looking at them going, and then you realize they're thinking what you thought. They're thinking you got it all figured out. <laughs> and then one day I remember saying to the boys, um, you know what, Rowan, you know what, Harrison, dad doesn't have a clue what he's doing. I said, I kind of know, but I've never lived this moment in my life before. Just like you, I don't have a clue what I'm doing in this moment. I, I've, I'm you know, building this on my past life, but I'm like you, I'm having a brand new experience. That whole space, I think, further freed me um, from the expectation of being a perfect parent and being like, honestly, it didn't matter. Like I had read ferociously and studied. Like when I say, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I study stuff and I make sure that I get behind the best I can preparing myself. Like I, that's what I do all of my life for, but I like, to be honest, I can relate with you. And I, you know, it's so interesting. Like I'll, 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 um, I'll never forget. So we became parents and Meg had a style right from the beginning. And that is in, in, in your home, you were taught to debate things versus the what of life constantly. I remember this is going to be such an interesting journey being married to you with children because our kids are going to have the freedom not to be told what to think, but to debate life. And so we have raised these boys and we say incredible. It's like there were many humans from day one. Like she just, you let them be. And I really bought into that narrative. It was like beautiful for me. I was like, I was sucked into that. River. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm they in, grow right? up and be, are completely screwed up. It's all on me. <laughs> oh. I'm doing the same thing with him because I was very strict in that Christian family. And I was like, oh, it's my way, no other way. And he's like, well, let them be. And I've learned so much from him. And sometimes I'm like, I kick myself in the butt. I'm like, why was I so you know strict with them when they were little? They were just kids. But now it's like, they are... I love the way you're describing your children because I just brought so much happiness to my heart. Cause that's exactly how I, how I feel about my kids. They're incredible. They're amazing. I can't say enough thing, good things about my kids. Um, but he is the, that way. He's the same as you. He's like, let it be, let it go. Don't sweat the little things. I'm like, I've learned. I'm like, you're right. Let it be. So you. If they want to take a, a subway downtown or whatever, blah, blah, blah. She'll be like, I'm freaking oh, out. I'm like, no, 
I don't think they should go. I'm like, why? I mean, they got to do it at some point. I remember I was younger than them taking a bus to high school every single day. So was I. And I know that. But because of what I've gone through, because of the hardship, I'm like, I just don't want them to experience any hardship in their life. But then I think I'm like, no, they have to. Like my son just did a track and field race for the first time ever. And he's in grade eight. He's graduating. So he wasn't the strongest one out of the team. So he came last. And I was out there watching him. My heart was beating. I was so angry at myself. I was I'm like, why did I let him? Why did I let him? And then I thought to myself, I'm like, but if I don't let him, he's just going to keep winning everything he's doing. He's not going to learn shit. I'm like, look, he's learning so much right now. He's going to cry for a bit, but he's going to get over it and say, at least I did it. Three of his guy friends didn't even try, didn't even do it. And he's like, well, they didn't even try. I'm like, see how you feel about that? He's like, well, at least I did it. I'm like, yes. Even yeah. though you came last, you did it. You learn from it now. When you go next, you'll know what to do at least, you know? So that part of you guys being amazing parents, I can relate to and I love it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we went to a Tony Robbins event one time and he does interventions during his events, right? During his live events. And there was a young girl, she was 22 and she stood up and she was really, really upset because she didn't understand why her parents weren't paying for her therapy, why her parents weren't paying for this and for that. And she's 22 years old, right? So she's an adult. And so Tony was working with her and working with her. And she was just stuck in this mindset of my parents owe me all this and my parents should be doing all this for me. And I'll never forget that there was a certain point in the intervention where Tony just stopped and he turned to the crowd it was like a group of like 2000 people he turns to the crowd and he goes, parents, this is the child you'll get. If you never let them fail, if you never let them have a hard time, this is the child you'll get the child that believes everything should be given to them. And I'll, I never forgot that. Cause I remember sitting there watching that girl going like, Oh, I just want to smack you. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? And she could not see her own faulty thinking. And that was a guiding light for me when I was raising my kids. I'm like, yeah, you, you didn't pass swimming lessons because you goofed around and didn't, you know, didn't uh, try. And all the other moms were like, well, could you pass them? Could they have extra lessons? And I'm like, nope, you'll be waiting till next summer. Sorry, suckers. Like, this is what happens. And it was so hard. I was the same as you, like trying to really manage my own emotions while I was doing that. Cause I'm like, this is good for them. This is good for them. This is good for them. Because we're you know? selfish. We try to reflect on them, how our feelings, like I wanted you to win, but I don't want you to go because you haven't trained. I'm like, why am I thinking like that? He needs to do this to fail, to realize what he needs to do next time. Cause he can't just win in life. Life doesn't just fall in your hands. You know, you got to work hard for everything you want. So it was, it was a great, great lesson for me, not more than him, you know? Yeah. You know, when I listen to you, Nina and Meg, you, Roger, you and I are taking this in. And of course, the woman, the feminine presence uh, and, and, and well, the female, the female experiences things a little different than does the man. Right. Yeah. So I'm the motherly. You know, instinct. What? Sorry. The motherly instinct, you know? Yeah. Motherly. So I'm, I'm listening to what you're talking about. It's like this nur- nurturer. It's like this overzealous. Like, I just want to nur- nurture you right through life. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I don't know, Roger, if you can relate to this. So I'm just thinking about, about it from the man's perspective um, and maybe just overall. But I think for me, and I'm wondering how you guys would view this, but I think so often in life, what we actually want, we run from in the first half of life. What we actually want is difficulty. We actually want to experience new edges in our life or new kind of stop points because they, they, they open us to new opportunities. Like there's a little story. If I don't know if you've ever heard of this, it's a story of Pip. 
And Pip's this gangster on, on Earth. And uh, Pip's done some really terrible things. They like killed a whole bunch of people and have been involved in interesting crimes. There's always guns going off and different things. And one day, Pip's like, I think I died. He goes, did I die? And he's looking around and he sees there's this white angel standing beside him. He goes, no, I think this is like, I got shot. I think I'm dead. And so um, he's getting really nervous because he thinks to himself, you know what? If this is death, I've done horrible things. I know where I'm going. I'm going to hell. Like, this is horrible. So he's about to, to, to talk to the angel and say, hey, listen, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's thinking, the more I say sorry, maybe you have a chance to go to the other place. But the angel says, let's go for a walk. And as they're walking, the angel takes him to this beautiful place. It's just sparkling. It's everything. And Pip goes, holy shit, I think I might just come into this place by accident. If I say nothing, I might just squeeze in. Watch. So the angel walks him down the street and it's like everything he's always loved. There's gambling, there's casinos, there's like lights, there's everything. And the angel says, you're here. And Pip's like, holy smokes. One like I didn't like apologize because I think he mistook me for somebody else. I'm, I'm here. I don't have to go to hell. This is amazing. So the angel says, you get to enjoy all of this. This is all yours. Pip goes, all for me? The angel goes, all for you? You get to be here forever. And the angel says, here's a little card. If, ever, if you ever need me, just contact me. Pip goes, awesome. Pip grabs a card, thinks he'll never contact the person because he thinks he's in the best place. He starts gambling. He went everything he does in this place, he wins. Everything he does, he wins. That's the point. Everything he cannot lose. And he loves it for the first week. Second week, it's not so fun anymore because there's no adventure. When you, when you step up to the blackjack table, it's not like the thrill of maybe I could lose could happen. No, there's no difficulty. It's just all ease. He wins. Right. Then one day, his friends call him down and say, hey, listen, you, we haven't been here for a while. We're worried about you, are you? And Pip goes, you know, I'm just kind of a little bored. And, and the friends go, hey, man, you have need of people. Come down. So he goes, okay, I'll come down. And so he joins them for about an hour or so. Finally, he gets so frustrated. He just hits the table and gets up and goes, I got to get out of here. And friends are going, okay, what's the problem? And he goes outside and he, and he look, grabs the card he still has in his pocket. He calls the angel and the angel comes to see him. And uh, Pip's like, I need to apologize. I'm in the wrong place. This is all, you said it's all for me. I can't stand it here. And the angel says, where, where do you think you are? Pip goes, well, I'm in heaven. Angel says, no, you're in hell. You got everything you wanted, which is no difficulty. We actually, as humans, we want difficulty. Without it, there is no amazement to life. Of course. Right? 100%. I got so, 100%. Right? And so for me, it ends up being... What I want is when she gives me difficulty, she gives me. When there's difficulty in life, I'm like, oh, here's actually what I crave. Because without that, you're either bored or depressed, one of the two. Mm. Nothing going on. You want tension. You want things. And I'm not saying you want like the dark side and the dystopic and like go to the, like, that place. What I'm saying is we actually want to feel what do we do when we've been given a gift going, this is too much. I can't handle this. And it's like, stand guard at the door of the mind. Who are you on the inside? It's a challenge right now. Are, are you going to face it? Are you going to let it, are you going to explode out of people? Or are you going to feel it just like marinate and going to be peaceful from within? Just let it settle and feel all the fear, but not be afraid of the fear and just let it marinate and just go through your body. And all of a sudden you expand and you experience something brand new. And that's the good news, I think. Yeah. It's amazing news. And I think if we don't, like I, as a mom, I don't want any of this, the, the, the life that I had growing up for my children to see. It breaks me just thinking they would even feel a teeny, weeny bit of the, the trauma and 
the hardship that I went through. I, I don't wish on them ever, ever. But I also at the same time think, but I am who I am because of what I've gone through. I am strong as hell. I can lift up a goddamn car, no problem. I'm strong because of what I've gone through. So why don't I wish that for my children? It's just that, that the between, the pain in between, it kills me. But it is, it is what makes beautiful relationships. It is what keeps us together for 25 years. The ups and downs that we go through, that you know, ups and downs that you two have gone through. And this is what I want all the couples to realize. Yeah. It's not all strawberries and chocolates. There's going to be some shit spread all over it sometimes. <laughs> so speaking speaking of, of struggles and all that stuff, you guys have been together 27 years. What was, would you say was your biggest struggle? And did you guys ever, let's say, break up for a period? We've never broken up um, because we had that Christian upbringing. Like we had that sort of year together for life type of thing. So like the idea of separating or breaking up would just never entered our thinking, like it was so off the table for us. Um, I would say we have had difficult times where maybe emotionally we were just really not connecting. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to best describe it, but like there have been some times where we went, what, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? Because we don't see a path forward. And one that was for sure when you went through your depression. And then the second time was when we moved to British Columbia, because none of our identity markers were here. Mm. Where'd you move from? I'm just curious. Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah. So prairies, um, you know. um, We're a small town to big city county. Yeah. 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 And so none of the, none of the identity markers that we had were there. And it was like, you were literally free for the first time and you started to play with who you were and who, you know, kind of how you wanted to show up. And then there was a, there was a sh- an amount of time where we looked at each other and kind of went, Oh shit, we might really be in trouble. Like this might not be something that we can overcome easily. And that, that was a dark night of the soul for me personally I, I don't know if it was as hard for you I didn't find your depression as hard as this the, the second time around that was a really really difficult time um where I all of a sudden went this might not be overcomable and I don't know what it looks like if it's not overcomable and really just having to dive into that idea of like this is this the reason this is a struggle is not because he's a jerk and I'm a you know whatever it's because I'm not willing to learn the lesson that this experience is trying to teach me Mm -hmm. and it was so fascinating because for me it was a very very hard time but when I broke through it I'll never forget we looked at each other and I said I no longer need you but I 100% choose you And that's why I'm here because I choose you. And I would say up until then, I thought I needed you, but now I know I don't, I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. But I choose you and I will continue to choose you until the day that I die. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think you felt the same. Actually, that was (laughs) similar. And thank you for sharing it. I'm not going to add really anything to it other than to say that's exactly how I felt. And I think deepening into my experience of how I viewed life and viewed you. And Nina, you said it earlier, you said it so eloquently. It's not in spite of, it's because of. Let's just say it like this. 
ever since I came out of my depression 10 years ago, I, don't, I can't even say depression, it's such a selfish word, sorry. It's longer than 10 years. Yeah, it's longer, it's more than a decade, but I have such an unshakable love with life that when we went through that, like you say, that dark night of the soul, I think it was more so that for you than for me, because I had already died a million deaths when I was checking out a life for three years. I already killed you. You know? (laughs) So so for me, actually, to be honest, if I can say it like this, I was, I, I was observing perhaps what it looked like. You did it in a different way than I did, but you kind of died to how you thought it was going to be. And I had done that a few years ago. And again, it was, it was a little different for you, but I kind of observed, remember thinking, wow, this is very tumultuous. Like this is painful to observe. And, and to be honest, I knew not to throw out solutions, but to, just to journey and actually be okay with any decision. And so one of the most challenging things for me was I always fought for her autonomy and that she would be released from the cage of life if there was something like that. Mm. So the temptation was very strong for me to prop myself up and put me as a solution for her journey. But I said, this is not what I want. And it was the, I, I literally had to open to the reality that if I don't present myself as her solution, if all of a sudden this goes in different directions for us, that I chose this, she also chose, but I chose, I'm fighting for her autonomy and I want her to do it because she's got it. And I'm here for her, but not like I'm going to just fill the gaps constantly. To me, it was like, actually, I don't know. Other than I think we all have to do journeys. We have to decide from within. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I, I, I absolutely love it. When I say love it, it's like, wow, no, we have gone through a lot, but I'll say it. If we did it all over again, though, this time we'd probably do it a little differently. But I wonder if not each one of us needs to go through something that we think this might be over. This might be over. And, you know, the highest state of love is a choice, a choice, not a need, but a choice. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I want to be with her. I want to be with her. You do? Yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) Oh, I love birds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we are. It's true. It's true. Reminds me of this guy always says, I want to be with my wife. I choose to be with my wife. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we met, I said this on the show before, but we met some friends, uh, mutual friends of other friends. When he introduced me to one guy, he goes, oh, you're the guy that likes to hang out with your wife. <laughs> so he's known for the guy that he likes to hang out with his wife? And like, I said, with and like I said, I have no filter. So I just, I looked, I'm like, you don't? He goes, no. And I'm just like, which one's your wife? And he's beautiful blonde girl. I'm like, I'll hang out with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because I felt like he was trying to tear me down a little bit, so I, I yeah. just just a comeback, right? So yeah. And uh-huh. since then they got divorced and blah blah blah. Because you know, a certain macho man don't think they should hang out with their wives. Yeah. They should yeah. hang out with other men, which is funny. And you know, in own, their own way, in their own right way, it's okay. It's okay as long as it works for themselves. Uh, you know, yeah. unfortunately, that couple are not no longer together. But um, as long as it works for you. You want to do that? It's fine. We like to hang out together. We like to raise our children together. We like to work together. It's our thing, you know? So being in a long-term relationship, a lot of our listeners are in the stages where you guys were with your difficulties. Mm. What would you go back and say to your younger self? Mm. To kind of get you to, to cope easier with what you just went through? Such a great question. I don't know if you want to go first. Okay, I can go. And, and, and perhaps what I'll do is I'll just... I'll sprinkle in a little bit of a share here that ties and connects Roger with what you were just saying. Uh, I think when we flip the narrative, 
flip the narrative. Society tends to have these things. Like, oh, so you're the guy that hangs out with the wife. You're you're that guy. Mm. Meg and I went to a comedy festival on the weekend or a comedy show. And, uh, you know, comedians sometimes they're like looking for a little dirt. And so I'm, we're sitting right up front. And then he says to me, hey, he looks at me, uh, do you still have sex with your wife? <laughs> and he says, I said, absolutely. I said, I just got a vasectomy. I said, I have so much sex. We had to be careful not to pop too many more babies. And he was like laughing, whatever. And then he says this to me. He says, he says, uh, so how many years have you been together? And I say, 22 years. He goes, 22 years. And he's just like, he's silent. And I said, actually, 27 years, but 22 years married. And what was interesting is after I said that, after I said that, <clears throat> he completely no longer focused on, on our table at all. He was just looking at the younger pe- 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 people who had like one night stands. Or, and what I'm saying, and what it is what it is. I'm not saying good or bad, but I think to flip the narrative. So if I were to say something to my younger self, I would say, you know what, James, maybe you just want to give yourself the permission to exist. Give yourself the right to think that you're the kind of guy, like Roger, what are you talking? You like hanging out with your wife. Listen, I didn't get married so I could just hang out with the bros. I have guy friends. Of course I do. I don't, I don't cling to her. We don't have a fused relationship. But honestly, that I just own my obsession's a little deeper. If I, if you just, James, own what you love. Mm-hmm. Don't try to like say, well, maybe I should be a bit more like the world. And why am I like this? Just own it more because who I am today, like this is a design life. I flip the narrative. Like I now love this piece. When I say love it, oh man, I'm so messed up. I'm fucked up, beyond fucked up. Okay, what I'm saying though, but I love who I am. I just love observing who I am. And back then I was trying to constantly push out who I was and adopt some other view. I'm like, no, no more. And so 12 years ago, that narrative flipped. So if I could speak to my younger self, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, such a great question. And I'm glad I had a second to think about it because I really <laughs> want to give you like something that I was real to me. Um, and one of this is what I love about our show and how, how it's conversational because you get to think right on the spot and say, this is what my experience has been. I don't have to make this up. You know what I mean? Love it. Yeah, I, I love that. I think for me personally, this, this was my experience. I grew up in a home where it was very, very important to be good and very, very bad to be bad. Right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, I know, that, I know that sounds dumb, but like, it, it I, can, was, I can relate, right. You needed to be good. It was very important to be good. And so here's what happens when you want to be good. You have to make everyone else bad. Because as human beings, we're dualistic thinkers. If I'm good, then you're bad. But if you're good, then I'm bad, right? And so for me, I adopted this worldview of in order to be good, which was very important to me, everybody else had to be bad, which meant that when we had issues, he was the enemy. He was bad, so I could be good, right? And what I wish I could have known sooner was one, it's okay to be bad, It's okay to embrace your bitchy side. It's okay to say, sometimes I'm mean. Sometimes I'm unkind. Sometimes I don't do what's best for us. Sometimes I like to really just go, yeah, that's true. So one, so I could see it clearly and then to take actions that would really make things better, right? Because if you don't see it clearly, you can't take right action. If you don't see it clearly, you'll take action, but it'll be fucked up action because you're not seeing things the way they are. And so for me to have accepted my own self a little bit more so that I didn't see him as the enemy. Because now when we argue or when something happens, I'm like, he's not the enemy. This is just my lesson. Whereas in my past life, I would have been like, he's the enemy. I need to fix him. (laughs) Sorry. And I'm trying so hard to be like a 
complete jerk to her. So finally she'll say, <laughs> for this moment, he is the enemy, but she's not buying it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's so true. I love that. And I can so relate to what Meg just said, because that's how we were brought up as Christians. And I felt every word you say, if I'm good, that means you're bad. And that's exactly what was implanted in our brains from, from day one, as growing up the way we grew up. So now I just learned that from you, by the way. I was always dropping things on him, like, you're the one, you're the one, you're, in terms is me. So, and you, Mr. Ear, Mr. James says, I love the way he says, design life. Love who you are and design the life that you want. You know what I mean? I love how you guys both design how you want to be, where you want to live, what kind of life you want to live, how you want to raise your children. It's all up to you. So to all you couples listening, like, it's all in your hands. You get to make your own life with the person that you want to live with. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's that, that that like what you guys said pretty much resonates on my side as well. I mean, uh, I I never wanted to show my emotions. Uh, I never liked saying I love you. Um, I mean, for the f- first so many years of our relationship, she would say how much she loved me, and my escape goat would I would just say the word all kinds instead of saying I love you. All kinds was, and that was almost the name of our show. All kinds. But I used to tear up every time we said, oh, guys, I'm like, he loves me so much. But she she took it as a term of endearment. I took it as a way of not saying I love you. You know what I mean? A scapegoat. It's the same thing. I just kind of allowed myself to feel, like you said, and, and allowed myself to, to express it, not caring about the narrative, not caring about what other people think in, in any way. I'm going to just do this. And if people like it, they like it. They don't like it. They don't like it. You know? So that's why I say I have no filter because I even her sometimes she'll tell me to tone it down or say something. I'm like, well, then I'm not being myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? That now you're trying to make me be somebody I'm not. So, you know, like that, that's the thing. So just live free or die kind of thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the beautiful thing of not, of choosing not to always present life through the lens of a filter is don't we all actually want to experience who we are on the inside? Freudian slips and all. Mm. The good news is when you finally get to enjoy you engaging with life and you're almost entertaining yourself and you're going, this is who is inside. I'm like, holy shit, this is so interesting. I'm not going to say good or bad or blame or shame. This is what's in here. Wow. I never would have known. And so think about how much easier you make it. Like one thing that I've realized, so this is a, you know, you know, head over heels podcast relationship talk, right? One thing I've realized is it's almost like, and I don't want to put this on other people, but for me, one of, this is a fascinating concept that I just opened up to now. One of the things that I uh, think is almost vital is that a couple not wear filters because if I apply a filter, then I make it difficult for her to see who I am. Yes. So we're actually making it easy. And so sometimes I'll say these taboo things are just off the mark and then it'll open up just like what you're saying, Roger, right? And so it's actually... The word vulnerable, a lot of men don't like to hear that word or, you know, but it's so if you don't like the word, then perhaps just be transparent. Mm. And how do I be transparent? I let you see who I am. And I'm actually brave enough to observe who I am in my presence and yours. And I'll be like, wow, instead of feeling threatened that there's somebody in there you have to protect, just let it come out. Observe it. Just let it come out. Let it come out. Absolutely. You have to, unless if you don't, then you're not living with the right person. You're going to choose the wrong person. And that's what. You know, it's going to end our relationship sooner or later. So well, I find, I find by, by, by holding back or not saying what I feel, sometimes it, it gets misinterpreted. So a perfect little example is Nina went, this was a while back. She went with a bunch of the moms in the area. They used to get together once a month and just get stupid drunk doing stuff. So 
one weekend they went to the uh, one girl had got a lingerie shop had a, it was closed for them they went in there and had wine and drank and talked listened to music and tried on stuff and a whole lot of money <laughs> all, the mom, all the all the wives sent pictures of their to their husbands of them in their lingerie and she sent me a picture and i held back i looked at him like yeah it's nice and then she, a little while later she called me and kind of you can tell in her voice that she wasn't happy mm. and i said well, what's wrong what's happening she goes i don't know you just didn't seem to be too excited about the picture everybody else's wives their husbands were like oh my god blah 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 you look so sexy and i'm like all right well the reason why I didn't say that is because you got a gorgeous body. You were at a old lady-ish kind of um, lingerie shop. You were wearing old lady panties, even though they were lace. They didn't. They didn't go up your butt. Nothing. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't uh, compliment you. It wasn't sexy. I'm like, so well, I wasn't saying you weren't sexy. Me. I'm like saying the thing was, eh, it's okay. It was nice color, nice lace, but it didn't. It didn't <laughs> compliment you. You know what I mean? But it backfired because I. She was mad at me because I said, oh. It, it was okay. It was I was like, mad at you because I spent so much money on something that I never Well, if you had told ever. me how much it would have told, was, I would have said, no, don't get it. She's <laughs> <laughs> never worn it. I've never worn it. Bought it, never worn it because you said you didn't like it. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, how the hell did I buy this? Yeah. But I mean, that, that was You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't say what you mean, and it just kind of backfires. So I, I figure if I say everything that I mean, then people will understand it. Yeah. They might not like it, but they'll understand it. So be true, be honest, and it works. Yeah. Mm. Great story because there will come a moment when honesty is just life will give evidence of what the real truth is anyway. So why not just say it when it happens, and then and then be there and be like, yeah, I love. Great story. Oh my, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. good. Well, so we're getting up to our hour now. So how could people find you if they want to, you know, know more about you or listen to your podcast? Where, where, where do people go to to find you guys? Me first. Okay. Um, yeah, it's super easy. You can find me on my website, meghepner.com. That's super easy. You can find my podcast basically wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find it, The Art of Being Human. You just have to make sure you're spelling human properly. Um, and then if you're interested, I host women's circles. So it's an opportunity for women to gather and sit in community and talk about what it means to be a woman and how we can show up in this world with our feminine energy and make positive impact. Because it's my belief system that women are going to be a huge part of our future and creating the, the culture and the future that we want. And so we need to be empowered so that we can go out into the world and actually make those changes. So if you're interested in joining a circle where you can sit with other women and just dive into what it means to be a woman uh, and how to do that in a beneficial way. Um, you can also find that on my website, but you can also find me through meetup. So it's called soul sister women's circles. Um, and you, if you go to meetup, if you're familiar with meetup, you can find me there and, and grab a spot and join a bunch of women to really just be in that nurturing feminine energy. For well, I'm doing it. I'm going to join you for sure. I love that. I love that. And what about you, Mr. James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can find me at, uh, just go to my website, jameshepner.com, J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R.com. My website has uh, a blog, my podcast. My podcast, by the way, again, like Meg, available on all the podcast channels. Uh, mine is called Weekly Wins and Losses with James Hepner. And so on my site, you get a chance to connect with me, uh, do a discovery call if you're looking for one-on-one -on -one coaching. But I think what I want to focus on most for your guests is I want to give them a gift. And that is every Friday, we have a no charge call at noon 
where I open up, um, it's a Zoom call. I open up Zoom, people from around the world come and we share a win and a loss. It's the end of the week. Who doesn't want to close your week off strong? Not labeling good or bad, but just observing. And you see people, and it's just amazing when you see their eyes light up to, I thought my losses were bad. And they go, actually, we don't need to convert a loss into positive, but how can we utilize a loss? Because here's the truth. Unless we learn to utilize the losses of our life well, we're walking past 50% of our life. To your point, Nina, earlier, it's these things that we think are no good. Actually, these are acres of diamonds. And so come, come and experience. And so for that, again, you can go to the website and you can go to weekly wins and losses tab, or you can just go directly, just spell weekly wins and losses. So exactly the way it is, allwords.com, weeklywinsandloss.com. There's a little spot you say, I want to I want to come to that call. Come and experience and enjoy. It's an incredible experience. So I invite you. She's, it's, it's an amazing, um, that, that sounds really good because we did that in real estate when we first started. We would do one, one day a week, a bunch of us get on the call, and it really helped us with our business. So I'm assuming this is going to be awesome for your life and, you know, for everything that you do every day. So, yeah, it's a great way of catching up with people that... You never knew they were existing all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> like what we do on TikTok. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Thank you. Love this. And I hope we'll, a great uh, conversation. I like we'll do this again. Yeah, I love this too. Thank you Lovely. so much for having us. It was wonderful. And we so appreciate the two of you and the platform that you mm-hmm. have here. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you for having us on. You guys have great energy. We're going to have you on our show. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. We wish you what we have. Yeah, baby. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whichever platform you're tuning in from. It means the world to us to have your support on our show in this little mini way. (laughs) You can also stalk us on Instagram at Head Over Heels Show for more juicy stuff. If you have any questions, send them via email at us at hohshow.com or DM us on socials. Thank you for having us between your ears. And as always, we we wish wish you what we we have. have.